Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Mark Wright, who's one of the co-managers of the Seneca Diversified Income Fund. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Hi, you're welcome. Um, I wanted to start by, by talking to you about income. Um, you look to invest in income opportunities that are undervalued by the market. Um, what's the rationale behind this? And did you pick up new value opportunities in the recent sell-off? No, that's right, Chris. I mean, firstly, there's a, a lot of demand for income out there. And that's, you know, that's partly due to you know, the environment that we're in with you know, extremely low interest rates pretty much across the world. Um, and also specifically in the UK, uh, down to demographics. So, you know, we generally have a, an aging population that's, you know, income starved, really. Um, and that they're especially interested in sustainable income, uh, you know, and that's something that, that we can source from the, the, the multiple asset classes that we invest in. So we invest in UK equities, uh, equities overseas, fixed income, uh, and what we would term specialist assets, uh, which can be think, thought of as kind of alternative sources of income, be that property, uh, infrastructure, um, or you know some kind of specialist financial vehicles such as uh, direct lending, so stepping in where, where the banks aren't there. And in particular in the UK, uh, you know, it should be noted that high dividend yield strategies typically outperform in the long run. And I think that's for good reason because you know, effectively uh, stocks that are typically on a high dividend yield are very much out of favour with investors. Uh, so it's, it's very much uh, a contrarian approach. Uh, and you can, you can view high dividend yields as a kind of uh, proxy for, for value, basically. So, and that, that's what we are at Seneca. You know, we're value investors. So that means we're, we're trying to buy uh, assets cheaply. Uh, so we, we, we try and assess what their actual worth is and then try and buy them for a, for a price below that. Um, we also uh, have observed that high quality companies uh, tend to outperform in the long run. So that's essentially businesses that for every uh, pound that they invest in their business, they get a very high return on that. Uh, so we try and we try and blend the two within the UK equity space, and yeah, the recent sell-off has uh, created a lot of opportunities for us, which has been great. I wanted to touch on a couple of the the opportunities that you um, have sort of scooped up recently. Uh, you recently invested in uh, diversified gas and oil, and also purple bricks. Could you maybe take each one and just talk us through what's attracted you to each of them? Yeah, of course. So diversified gas and oil uh, that was our first exposure to the oil and gas sector uh, for a while. Um, you know, it's, it's a completely unloved sector uh, for, for obvious reasons in a way. You know, you, you see headlines where, you know, companies, you know, it wasn't long ago companies were effectively paying people to take oil off them. They weren't even charging them for a barrel of oil. They're actually paying them to, to get rid of it. Um, but diverse for gas and oil is uh, you know, a slightly different business really. So, uh, the, the key thing is that they're an operator uh, rather than an explorer. So they're not, you know, wasting lots of uh, capital, pouring money into to try and discover uh, new new oil or gas wells. Instead, they just operate mature, um, predominantly gas fields, and they have very predictable uh, rates of production. So, um, yeah, what's interesting is if you 
When, when you discover a, a new gas or oil resource, that well that you use to extract uh, the oil or the gas, you know, that rate of production will peak very quickly and then decline very rapidly. So it's not unusual for you know 18 months, two years later, that well will be producing less than half that it was um, at the time that it commenced production. Whereas more mature wells, that, that rate of decline uh, is substantially less. So it's a much more predictable production rate. And, and, and what diversified gas and oil are doing is they're trying to uh, buy these mature producing wells effectively from, from distressed owners. So they're getting hold of them at very attractive valuations. Um, and, and, and they do something that's called forward hedging their production. So what does that mean? It means that for every you know, barrel of oil or you know, um, gas that they, that they extract from the ground, they don't then have to go and take the, the, the price that people will see uh, you know, on the news or in the Financial Times, etc. They've already locked in the price that they're going to get for that gas that they extract forward uh, for all of this year, most of 2021 and a substantial portion of 2022. So that means they know, they pretty much know how much they'll produce, pretty much know what price they'll get for it. So it's a very stable uh, cash flow that it generates. And, and, and that means they can still afford to pay a very healthy dividend that's, that's actually growing. So we, we managed to buy into the shares on a, on a double digit uh, dividend yield, and, and, and we, you know, we'd expect that, that dividend uh, to grow over the coming years. And perhaps a more familiar name, Purple Bricks. What's what's the attraction? Yeah, well, it's certainly a familiar name. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's one of the most recognised brands uh, in the UK. Uh, in fact, I mean, in a relatively recent survey, it was deemed a more relevant brand than the likes of Apple and TripAdvisor, which is uh, you know incredible, and that that's an undervalued. Uh, assets or that brand uh, that the company's worked very hard uh, to build over the last uh, the last few years, and we've actually been building a position in the company uh, since towards the end of last year, um, and then continued to uh, through the crisis. Uh, and it, 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 the market presented us with a fantastic opportunity to, you know, invest in a, a technology-led industry disruptor. Uh, at a low valuation. So Purple Bricks was previously a darling of the market, uh, you know, going back a few years. But the company very quickly took market share in the UK. Uh, So it's actually the UK's biggest estate agency uh, already, despite the company only being about six years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they tried to take that model overseas to places like America, Australia. But to be honest, they overextended themselves too quickly. Uh, and underestimated how easy it would be to replicate the UK model uh, in those markets. So the shares kind of got up to around 500p. Um, You know, it it was clearly not a success in Australia and America. Uh, So the market fell out of love with the company. Uh, And we've been able to buy shares as cheaply as, uh, as 30p through the crisis. Uh, and what people forget is that you know, the company's got net cash on the balance sheet. There's no debt in the business. So it's extremely uh, resilient during the downturn. And at one point, the valuation placed on the business 
just the cash on the balance sheet must have been close to a third of that total valuation. So you weren't really paying much for the actual business and the future cash generation potential. And, you know, we, we observe very closely, um, you know, the number of listings uh, that Purple Bricks achieve. And they were one of very few estate agents that were still open for business during the pandemic. You'd be surprised how many people were still uh, instructing Purple Bricks to list their property for sale. And, you know, and the company gets paid when it, when, it, when it lists that property, not when it sells it. So uh, we absolutely thought it was a huge opportunity to add to the position during the crisis. And I think a lot of people don't understand the story. So the company failed by expanding too quickly in the US and Australia, but it's actually taken the decision to exit those markets. It's not costing them very much to close down those parts of the business. There's now a new a new chief executive in place in the form of Vic Darvey. Uh, he's former managing director at MoneySupermarket.com. So, you know, very aware of kind of consumer-facing technology. Uh, the board's been refreshed with, um, you know, people who have uh, worked with Spotify and Just Eat. Um, and there's, 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 there's four sources of growth as we see it. So the company kind of has about a 4% market share at the moment. They're targeting a 10% market share, and we don't see why that's not achievable. Um, ultimately, the, the secondary housing market volumes you know, will pick up. Um, income, obviously, is a, a big buzzword at the moment. Uh, you've also added a property fund recently. Is property an area you think could replace some of the lost UK dividend income we're, we're being told about or we're actually seeing at the moment, or, or do you prefer bonds? Yeah, so... Uh, the, the property side of our portfolio, um, you know, the income generation there has, has definitely held up better, uh, which just de- demonstrates, you know, the, the, the benefit of a multi-asset approach, um, not, not only to income products, but to, 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 to you know, total return products as, as well, um, you know, because income is a very important source of, of return as well as, uh, as, well as capital growth. Um, but I'd say that's maybe more specific to our portfolio than the property sector in general. Uh, and that's because we take a very targeted approach. So we're not looking for just generic, broad property exposure within our portfolios. We're very deliberately targeting specific niches. So that might mean uh, GP surgeries, for example, uh, in the form of a Shura, uh, a holding that we have. Um, or, or distribution assets uh, in the form of London metric. So, so I mean, by distribution assets, I mean kind of uh, properties that are involved in, in logistics and the fulfillment of, 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 of e-commerce, basically, which, as you can imagine, has been a, a beneficiary, actually, uh, of the pandemic. Um, and we also added a, a new holding recently, um, you know, that you alluded to, which is LXI REIT. Uh, so the acronym LXI effectively stands for long indexed income. So what does that mean? That means that the typical tenant uh, who's in the property that's owned by the REIT uh, is locked in for around 20 years. Uh, and that they're paying a healthy rental stream. Almost all of those rents either move up with inflation or they have built in uh, increases every few years. 
And, and just lastly, we, we, we've obviously talked about the, the benefits of the multi-asset nature of the portfolio, and we've, we've talked about your view on the sort of recovery. You have about 7% in gold and miners, gold and gold miners, sorry. Is this because you're, you're worried about the outlook to some degree, or is it, is it a hedge? How, how, how does that position fit into the portfolio as a, a sort of a combination? Yeah, no, good, good question. So we had the position before going into the pandemic, um, and it's, it's certainly served us very well. Uh, through the crisis and and that, that, that's basically because of what you touched on uh, you know is it a form of hedge we kind of view gold and and gold miners uh, to be clear gold miners typically you know if the gold price moves up gold miners will typically um, you know outperform uh, but you know it does work both ways so if the gold price falls, gold miners will typically fall by more. So we do think it's important to kind of have exposure to both. Um, and obviously gold miners can move a little bit with, with broader equity markets as well uh, in the short term. But yeah, we, we view the two combined as a pretty defensive um, part of the portfolio, really. And, uh, you know, a beneficiary of uh, a flight to safety against all sorts of potential crises, uh, not least, um, you know, a global health pandemic. Um, so it's been a very good diversifier for us. Uh, it's also, you know, a kind of hedge against further monetary debasement. So i.e. central banks just printing more and more money, which ultimately could create inflation. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, equity markets have bounced back quickly. Uh, we added to them quite significantly uh, during the downturn. But, you know, that's not to say they won't fall back again. Um, personally, I, th- I think they've probably bottomed, uh, you know, back in March. They'll probably continue to be volatile, but there's, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, FOMO, basically fear of missing out. So anyone that didn't put money into the market back in March, April, when, when markets were very, uh, very cheap and had fallen considerably, you know, they'll be desperate to get in should there be further weakness. So uh, I suspect the equity market will be reasonably well supported. And especially now there's increasing, uh, you know, increasingly aggressive central bank policy as well. So, and, you know, going back to your question about the corporate bond space, I mean, it was only the other day that the, the US central bank, the Federal Reserve, said that they would start buying US corporate bonds. So, yeah, you should see you should start to see corporate bonds performing uh, quite healthily, really. That's great, Mark. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Seneca Diversified Income Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And while you're there, remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed are at the time of recording and could change. And remember... We've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or to sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.